Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to come and to hear of your word. You said that faith cometh by hearing and hearing cometh by the word of God. Today, I ask that you increase each and everyone's faith today by hearing this word. Father, your word declares that their faith will be increased. But not only will our faith be increased, I pray that today that we will begin to act and do according to the word of God. Father, that we would begin to step forth in faith and begin to do what your word tells us to do, to live in the promises of God in Jesus' mighty precious name. And if you believe it, I want you to shout out amen. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15. I want to read a couple of scriptures here. But I'm going to start with verse 15. It says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. How will you know them? By their fruits. Somebody says, don't judge me. You can look at somebody's fruits and say what their life is like. Somebody say amen. And so it says, you will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Matthew chapter 7, verse 19. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 19. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. But it says every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. You know that you can know somebody by their fruits. You can tell what somebody's like by their fruits. Now, I want you to look at this. In verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my father in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, that's a pretty serious moment right there that Jesus is talking about. That Jesus is actually saying that there'll come a moment that Jesus, that you may call on the Lord and may you may do some things that are right. But there'll come a day that Jesus said, you might have prophesied, you might have cast out demons, you might have done many wonderful things in Jesus name. But he'll look at you and say, depart from me. You who practice lawlessness, I never knew you. I don't know about you, but have you ever been there before? You went to meet somebody or you went to shake somebody's hand and they acted like they didn't know who you were? You see somebody, you know, at, you know, at, like this, at church, you know, they all hug your neck. Hey, how you doing, sister? How you doing, brother? And then you see them out at Walmart and they like going down the other aisle like, I don't know that person. I ain't never seen that person. I ain't giving that person a hug today. I want Jesus to know my name. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. There's nothing that, it, that the enemy can do to me. There's not one demon in hell that can stop me. There's not one sickness that can stop me. There is nothing that can overcome me because greater is he that lives in me. And my name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. And I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to have authority. I have already been given that authority. And I just thank you today, Jesus, that, Lord, I'm going to walk in forgiveness. And, God, you're going to take care of everything today and i thank you for it now in jesus name look at verse 24 therefore whoever hears these sayings of mine 
and does them. I want you to highlight that in your Bible. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, this is talking about the sayings of Jesus and does them. Circle that in your Bible. Does them. Does them. Somebody look at your neighbor. Punch your neighbor. Say does them. Not reads them. Not talks about them. Say does them. Does them. It says, therefore, I will liken unto them to a wise man who built a house on the rock. A wise man. God says that if you want to be a wise person, a wise person, he says that whoever hears my sayings and does them is going to be a wise person that built their house on a rock and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house and it did not fall. It was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who has built his house on sand. And when the rain descended and the floods came, the winds blew and it beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. Another thing that I read about in in Jonah chapter 2 and verse 8, it says, Those that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercies. And see, sometimes there are things that come and happen in our lives that, that, that are against the word of God. Do you know that when a sickness arises in your body, that's a lying vanity because it's against the word of God? When lack arises in your life and in your household and in your family, that's a lying vanity because it's against the word of God. Jonah actually said this. He was in the mouth of the well and going and he said, it says, those that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But it says in verse eight, Jonah chapter two, verse eight. As we do that, see, we have to understand what does the word of God say? If you're going to do what the word of God says, those that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercies. That means how many know God's mercies are new every day? Then when you wake up in the morning, there's fresh mercy that's available for you that day. But what happens is, is before we start thanking God for his mercies and his goodness and his kindness, all of a sudden, you know what happens? We start waking up and all of a sudden, you know what? Our back starts musting up. We start to get a little cough. And instead of speaking the word of God and saying, my body is healed according to G- by Jesus' stripes, I am made whole. I have abundance and no lack. We end up observing the lion vanity that's before our face. That's in the natural, because instead of staying in the spiritual and staying in the supernatural, we get over in the natural and we start looking at the circumstances. Don't observe lying vanities for those who observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I want you to look back at what that scripture says. It said uh, Matthew chapter seven, it says, whoever, verse 24, therefore, whoever hears the sayings of Jesus and does them is wise. See, you've got to hear the sayings of Jesus, but you can't just hear them. You've got to do them. It does you no good today for you to come and spend an hour and a half, two hours of your time and your day and come and sit in the house of God and to walk out and do the same exact thing that you did before you walked in this place. See, God wants you to be changed from the inside out, that you've got to begin to do what the word of God says to do. That you've got to act on the word. I said it earlier. I'll say it again. Faith is an act. It means that faith is an action word. Faith means that you do. That you don't just say. That you do. That that God is going to give you something by his spirit for you to do and for you to act on. Somebody say amen. And so wisdom is the principal thing. God's saying, what are the sayings of Jesus? 
We've got to get back to what are the sayings of Jesus. There are too many times that we go to church and we just hear good, good, uh, a good mental uh, ascent in the sense of God, somebody just has a good idea. And no, we don't need to have good ideas. We need to have what did Jesus say and do what Jesus said. We need to find we're New Testament believers. We're New Testament Christians. And this Bible says that you will be as a wise person if you find out what Jesus said and do what he said to do. Amen. And so we must learn to punch your neighbor and say, we need to learn what Jesus said to do. We need to find out what did Jesus say to do. Find out what Jesus said and then do them. Now, before we go on, I want to kind of jump over to something real quick because I want you to know how God has blessed you and how much God and how he created us. He created you in Genesis chapter one and verse 26. It says this. Go there with me to Genesis chapter one. Genesis chapter one and verse 26. It says, and God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion. Somebody say dominion. God gave you dominion. Somebody say God gave me dominion. It says let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth. Some of the earth? All the earth. How much is all? And every creeping thing that creepeth upon this earth. Somebody say praise God. That means, ladies, you got a dominion over creeps. That when a little bug starts to crawl out from underneath the couch or something, you got dominion. Amen. You've got dominion that God has given you dominion. And it goes on in verse 27. So God created man in his own image and the image of God created him. Male and female created he them. In other words, God created us that you're not just what you see here in the natural, but God created you as a spirit. God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. What you see today is your earth suit. You have a body. This is, this is the body that you live that I live in here on this earth. I have a body, but I am a spirit. That's who I am. And I have a soul, which is my mind, my will, and my emotions. If I'm not careful, my mind, my will, and my emotions, and my flesh, my body will control what it is that I do. But you have to understand, you have to get to a place that you're going to say, no, I'm going to be led by the Spirit of God, and my spirit is going to be how I'm going to live. Amen? Like when the scripture says to bless those who curse you. Sometimes we don't understand how can somebody bless somebody that cursed them? How can you love somebody that hates you? Well, it's because you're living by the spirit. You're not living by the natural. And see, we had to get to that place that we say, I'm going to I'm going to live by the spirit of God and God. Verse 28. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion. He reiterated He tells them, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon this earth. Somebody say, I have dominion. Say, God gave me dominion. God gave you dominion over your life. God gave you dominion over the things that you do, the things that you have. Where you are in this life right now, God has given you dominion in your life. Somebody say, amen. Confess it like you mean it this morning. Say, I have dominion. In Jesus' name, according to the scriptures, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says this. 
Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. That means that the words that you say, the things that you confess, that you have what you say. That where you are right now today is as a result of what you spoke and said before you got here. Not what somebody else said, but what you said, what you believed in your heart, what you began to speak. You've got to get to that place that you say, God, I'm going to stand on your word. I'm going to live by your word. I'm going to trust in your word. I'm going to do what your word says. And I don't care what anybody else says, thinks, or does. I'm going to do what the word of God says. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The things that you're thinking about, if you keep thinking about wrong things, if you keep observing lying vanities, then that's what you think about. And that's just going to reiterate what is already happening in your life. Faith cometh by hearing. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing cometh by the word of God. What is faith? What is faith? Faith is what pleases God. How many of you this morning want to please God today? Faith is what pleases God. If you want to please God, you've got to live by faith. You've got to do what faith, what, what the scripture said. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is knowing in God in the unknown world. Faith is confidence in God during the uncertainty that's around you in your life. Amen? Faith. Say, somebody say, I have faith. Faith, the size of, of a seed of mustard seed. That's all the faith that you need that can pluck a mountain up and call it into the sea. You just need a little bit of faith. And this morning, you've already received almost over 30 minutes worth of faith. Somebody say, amen. Your faith is growing, but you had to operate in your faith. I heard a great man of God say this lately, and I, I want to read this, and I thought this was good, but... Our speed in life is determined by the quality of information at your disposal and the level of insight with which you are operating. Everything you are or do today is a result of the information that you of yesterday. I'm going to say that again. Our speed in life is determined by the quality of information at your disposal. I want you to think about it in terms of this. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6 says, and talks about this in Hosea chapter 4. It says, my people perish. God's people perish for a lack of knowledge. It's not just a lack of knowledge because everybody has, most everybody in America has access to a Bible. Pretty much everybody has, has a Bible here in this place. But it's not that they lack information. What they lack is revelation. See, there's a difference between information and revelation. See, sometimes if, you, if you're not getting what I'm preaching, then maybe you need to ask God, God, I need a revelation of what it is that pastor is speaking on this morning. Because just because me getting up here and reading information from the Bible, that's good. But you don't just need information. You need revelation. You need it to become illuminated and become life to you and become alive. You know, have you ever read a scripture that you had read before and all of a sudden it became like as if God himself spoke that scripture and like the light bulb came on and it became real in your life. See, that's when information becomes revelation. And see, the quality, your speed of life is determined by the quality of your information at your disposal and the level of insight with which you are operating. Everything you are today or do today is a result of information from yesterday. The news that you acquire determines the moves you generate. And the moves you generate determines the waves you cause 
which determines the news you make. Now, I thought that was good, but I want you to think about it in this terms. I'm going to read it one more time. The news that you acquire determines the moves you generate. In other words, when you come and you hear faith, that's news being re- that you're receiving. That God's word, for example, by Jesus stripes, I am healed. That's news. That's good news. Somebody say good news. How many know the gospel is good news? It's the good news of the gospel. Amen. It's the good news. It's the, it's the good news of what God wants you to live and to have. And so it says the news that you acquire determines the moves you generate and the moves you generate determines the waves you cause, which determines the news you make. In other words, in, in light of lying vanities, those that observe lying vanities, which news will you determine to live by? Are you going to live by the lying vanities or are you going to live by the word of God? Today, you're receiving good news. You're receiving news that God wants you to have abundance and not lack. What are you going to do with that news? How are you going to act on that news? Today, you're hearing the words that by Jesus stripes, I am healed. How are you going to react to that news? Are you going to live in healing? Are you going to confess it? Are you going to take a hold of it? Are you going to receive of that? Or are you just going to keep on going? You know, I remember one day there was a message pastor was preaching and he got to begin talking on finances and began speaking. And all of a sudden, he was just talking about how you have more than enough. And all of a sudden, uh, and he says it was like this, as if it was like a lightning bolt came out. And it was like that all of a sudden it became revelation and life to me. And I jumped up out of my seat right there on the front row and threw my wallet on the ground and began to confess and speak to my wallet and call it filled and call it full. And from that confession, from that moment, you know, I was able to, during college, I would, God bless me. I was able to go to Israel twice. I was able to go to New Zealand. I was able to go to Dominican Republic. I was able to travel all over the world. And now all I wanted to do was go to one place that I was believing God for. And God blessed me with all these other places. But it's because the information that I received, it became life to me. And it wasn't just words that I was hearing. All of a sudden, it caused me to do something. It caused me to act. It caused me to give. It caused me to to react to what the word that was being preached. And see, we must learn to do the sayings of Jesus. That if Jesus says to do it, then we must do it. So I want you to go quickly. I want to look at one of the one of the things that Jesus tells us to do in Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11 and verse 12. It says, now on the now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry and seeing from afar off a fig tree having leaves. He went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For it was not the season of figs for figs. Verse 14, in response, Jesus said, let no one eat fruit from you hereafter again. And the disciples heard it. See, I think there's sometimes that it's important that as you confess, it's important for not only you to confess it, but even for others to hear you confess it. Because it says that he didn't say it quietly. He didn't whisper to the tree. From this point forward, I command you not to have any fruit from here from here on out. No, he spoke to it with a voice of authority and said, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. Amen. And his disciples heard it. Now skip on down to verse 20. And it says now in the morning when they had passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. From the moment Jesus spoke it. Jesus 
didn't have to go back and wonder, did what I said come to pass? He knew it came to pass because he spoke it with authority. And it says, and Peter, remembering, uh, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. In other words, it took Peter to remind Jesus, hey, Jesus, look, remember yesterday when you spoke to that fig tree? Look, it's dried up from the root. Jesus didn't have to look at the fig tree. Jesus didn't have to look. In other words, you don't have to look at your bank account. You don't have to look at your wallet because you've already spoken over it. You've already declared it that you have abundance and not lack. You don't have to look at your body. You know that by Jesus stripes you are healed and you've determined that I'm going to take the word of God and I'm going to live according to that word. Somebody say amen. And see in Peter, he said And so Jesus answered in verse 22 and said to them, have faith in God. Turn to your neighbor and say, have faith in God. This is the answer to anything and everything in any problem that you may may have in your life. This is the answer to every issue in your life to have faith in God. Come on, somebody. And see, you don't have any problems. All you need is faith in God. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, say, you don't have any problems. And tell him, I don't have any problems. All I need and all you need is faith in God. See, God wants you to have faith in him. That if you'll just begin to get down on your face and seek him. And get to that place that you'll begin to worship him. Come on. Hallelujah. And praise him. And seek his face. Then God wants to take that thing and turn it around. Because you have faith in him. Not faith in faith. Not faith in anything else but his word. See, faith in his word. You have a confidence. That when you wake up in the morning. That you have a confidence. And, and in, in essence, a, a walk and a talk that I have confidence in God that what I confess is what's going to happen. Somebody say amen. I'm walking in confidence in God that God's word said that I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I can do that in Jesus name. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. And you just get that confidence and trust in him, but not in anything else, in his word, in what his word declares. And now look at this is his word. Let me get back to his word. Verse 23. Look at his word. This is what he says. Remember, those who do his word will be wise. This is the answer to every problem. Verse 23. For I say unto you, for assuredly I say unto you, whoever says to this mountain. Be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says he will have whatever he says. I want you to look at that. I want you to look at one. Look at it again. He says, whoever says to this mountain says one 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 time he says, says be removed and be cast into the sea. And does not doubt in his heart. In other words, has a confidence, has a, has a confidence and a trust in what the word of God said. But believes that those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. 
Verse 24, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. In other words, it takes three times as much saying as it does believing. Somebody give God a praise and a shout this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Go with me quickly to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. And I want to I want you to see this scripture in light of how it can operate in your life. Verse one. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Soko and which belongs to Judah. And they encamped between Soko and Azek, Azekai and in and, uh, Ephim's Damon. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and they encamped in the valley of Eli. Now I've been to the valley of Eli and I've seen it and I've actually picked up smooth stones from there. There's a little brook that runs right, right along there and drew up in the battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on the mountain on one side and the Israel stood on that mountain on the other side of the valley between them. So in other words, you got a mountain over here, you got a valley and you got a mountain over here. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits in a, and, and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of his coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had a bronze armor on his legs and a bronze gavelin uh, between his shoulders. And now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's uh, beam and the, his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels and the shield bearer went before him and stood and he cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, when Saul and all the Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed. I want you to think about sometimes we hear a word. Maybe we go to the doctor and we hear something we didn't want to hear. And we, or we go and we do something. We get a phone call. Maybe we hear something that we didn't want to hear. But it says that they heard the words of Goliath and they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now David, the son of the Ephraim of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse, who had eight sons, and the man was old and advanced in years in the days of Saul. The three oldest sons, Jesse, had gone to follow Saul to the battle. The names of the three sons who went to battle were Elab, the firstborn, next to him, Abinadab, and the third, Shema. David was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Saul. But David occasionally went out to return from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near and presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. Then Jesse said to his son David, Take now for your brothers an ephah and, uh, of this dried grain and these ten loaves and run to your brothers at the camp and carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousand and see how your brothers fare and bring back news of them. 
And Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper, and took the things as Jesse commanded him, and came to the camp as the army was going out to fight and shouting for the battle. In other words, for 40 days, Goliath would get up morning and evening, he would say that thing and say, I defy the armies of Israel, send me out a man and do his spiel. For Israel... Verse 21, and the Philistine had drawn up in battle array, army against army. And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper and ran to the army and came and greeted his brothers. And they talked with him. And there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them. In other words, David hadn't heard this yet. David shows up to the battle. He's bringing lunch for his brothers and food for them. And think about how wise his dad was and he was. He said, go and give cheeses to the captains. In other words, if you, I don't know about you, but you know, if you're ever late to work, you know, it's always a good thing to bring your boss a Starbucks or a sausage biscuit or something like that. So essentially, David shows up and he says, hey, I got some cheese for you. Can I go check on my brothers? So he's running out there and he's checking on his brothers. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And he shall be that that man who kills him, uh, the king will enrich with great riches and give him his daughter and give the father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. If he kills Goliath and then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? In other words, David went and he's heard what somebody else said. Then he turned to somebody else and said, wait, what did what will happen if I kill Goliath? Then he said, wait, wait, let me go to ask somebody else. Because, see, sometimes when we hear the word of God, see, in the, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let God's word be established. And so sometimes, you know, there's many scriptures. When you get a scripture on healing, you need to find another scripture on healing and confess another scripture on healing. And do the same thing about abundance and prosperity and say, what did God's word say? So that way you don't have any doubt. You don't have any doubt in the sense of, of what did God say and how did God say that God wants me to have what he said I could have. And so in essence, David is saying, who is this lack or, or, or who is this sickness? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this thing that's speaking against the almighty God? Who is the ungodly thing that should defy the word of the living God? See, what is the thing that is speaking against the word of God in your life today? Are you going to combat it with the word of God? Or are you going to accept it and forsake your own mercy? And the people answered him and said in the manner, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. In other words, they said the same thing. Now look at this, verse 28. And now Elab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Elab's anger was aroused against David. And he said to them, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart. For you have come down to see the battle. I want you to think about the accusation that his oldest brother makes. I don't know if you've ever been there before. And you, you grew up with brothers and sisters. But if you grew up, how many of you know how to hit your brothers and sisters buttons? 
And all of a sudden, Elab, the oldest brother, he hears David, and he hears him talking, and he hears what he's finding out about. He says, man, why did you even come down here? Why did you even, why are you even here? What are you doing down here? He He says, I know your pride and your rude and disrespectful behavior. That's what insolence means. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I know your heart. But see, he didn't know his heart because God knew his heart. And God said that he was the one that anointed David to be king because David was a man after God's own heart. God is the one that looks down and sees our heart, not by what somebody else says, does, and thinks. And so that didn't deter David. You know, some of us might have gotten to that point and said, yeah, you know what? Elab's right. What am I doing here, man? And we would have gotten in an argument with Elab and missed the whole victory of what God wanted us to do because we got in a fight with Elab. See, sometimes you don't have to defend yourself. That was Eli's problem. David said, I'm going to walk in forgiveness. I'm going to keep on doing my thing. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? In other words, David's like, well, what's your problem, man? Wait, why, why are you upset at me? And then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. In other words, you know, he just kept on going and said, so again, tell me again, what happens if I defeat Goliath? And the people answered him and said, as the first ones did. So now he's got two or three witnesses that have now told him what's going to happen. He's going to get David's daughter. He's going to be tax free. He's going to get all kinds of riches, all these things he finds out. And then now when he hears the words which David spoke were heard, they reported to them and sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight the Philistine." And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. In other words, David had already spoken. He said that earlier, he said in here that that he said, I'll go and I'll fight. And so all of a sudden that news gets back to Saul and he goes and he gets David. And Saul said to David, you are not able to do this. You see, in other words, sometimes there'll be all kinds of people. The king of Israel is standing in front of him, looking at him and saying, no, you can't do that. I'm not my wife is a nurse. I don't have anything against nurses and doctors and things like that. But there are moments in time that you have to trust God and believe God, regardless of what everybody else says, that the king of Israel was standing in front of him. And telling him, no, you can't do this. With all of his riches, with all of the things right there. And, you know, most of us would have maybe said, well, you're right. Maybe you're right. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when the lion and the bear came and took the lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me and I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. And the ser- your servant has killed both a lion and a bear. And the uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God. In other words, he confessed and he said what he believed. Don't discount the fact that he had already defeated a lion. He had already defeated a bear. And see, there's things that are happening in our lives that as we walk by faith, you know what? If you can't believe God for $100, how are you going to believe God for $100,000? That's essentially what he's saying, that there's steps by faith, seed, time, and harvest. And so many of us are wanting to walk out this door and say, I'm ready to defeat Goliath. And we haven't even defeated a lion or a bear. We can't even get our family in the house of God. But yeah, we're going to go and save the whole world. 
See, we got to understand, God, what is it that you would have me to do? How is it that you want me to live? How is it that you want me to walk by faith and start and see time and harvest? He says, he that is faith when little will be ruler over much. David had to get to that place that he was confident and that he knew that God was going to defeat the Philistine. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. In other words, he said it a second time. He will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. So Saul clothed David in his armor and put on a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a cloak of mail. And David fastened his sword and his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. He had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these for I have not tested them. So David took them off and he took his staff at his in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from a brook and put them in a shepherd's bag and in a pouch, which he had in a sling in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine. In other words, he used what he had already previously used. He used what he knew was going to be the right thing to use. He used the thing that God had already overcome the lion and the bear. He didn't need the world's help. He didn't need the king's help. He needed the king's help. He didn't need Saul's help. He needed Jesus' help. And so he began to, he, he got back to what he knew. He had the faith. And so the Philistine came drawing near to David And the the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. And he was only a youth, ruddy and good looking. So the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you may come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a gallon. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. See, that's what we ought to do. We have to come to the thing. We come to those bills and we say, hey, I come to you in the almighty God. I come to you in the name of Jesus, the son and the Holy Spirit. And I defy you. You defy the name of the living God. I have abundance and not lack. I have healing and not sickness. And you speak to it. And this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you and say and take your head. In other words, David confessed three times. How many sayings does it take? It takes three times as much saying as it does believing. He said it to his brothers. He said it to Saul. And he said it to Goliath in its faith. He said, I will defeat you according to the word of God. That God is on my side. And this day... The Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take off your head. And this day I will give your carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. And all that the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Everyone in your circle, everyone in your world ought to know that there's a God that you serve. That it wasn't just for David, but it was for everyone to know that there was a God in Israel. There, people ought to know that there's a God that you serve. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what God delivered you from, but you may you ought to have a confession and a testimony that, you know, some of you in this place, God may have delivered you from 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 drugs, from from all kinds of things. 
that God wanted to deliver you from. Maybe God wanted, maybe there was a sickness and God is a healing God. And you can go and share with somebody how God healed you, how God delivered you, how God set you free. You might be in debt up to, uh, up to your eyeballs and you don't know what to do. And God wants you to be a, a voice for him to speak about how God delivered you from that debt. Somebody say amen. Whatever it is, God wants you to get to that place that you speak his word and you trust in him and you believe him for what God has for you. And then all the assembly, they shall know the Lord does not save with the sword and the spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. In other words, the victory is yours. The battle is the Lord's. See, sometimes we worry and wonder too much How is God going to do this? How is God going to heal me? Why does it matter how God's going to heal you? You know, we we sit and we contemplate and we worry and we wonder, how's God going to do this? How's God going to do that? How is God going to heal me? Jesus healed a blind man by spitting into some mud and saying, go wash down at the pool of Siloam. It doesn't matter how God's going to do it. All we have to know is trust in the fact that God's going to do it. We have to know that today is my day to receive of him. Today is my day to have the the, the blessings to receive of his benefits of what God has for me. Somebody say amen. How many of you believe that today? How many of your faith is stirred today? I want to encourage you today that you don't just hear the word of God, but you become a doer of the word of God. 